Okay, so welcome to tonight's workshop. Tonight's workshop, uh, the agenda is going to be, we're going to be looking at self-acceptance, how we can avoid abuse. Um, we're going to be looking at reenactment, learned helplessness, how to form healthy boundaries. Can we talking about enmeshment and enmeshment trauma, projection, arrested development and emotional regulation? Not necessarily in that order. So what are you looking to get from this workshop? Why are you here? Let me know in the chat box what you want to achieve from this workshop today. Miserable, emotionally, connecting more with your inner child so you can look after yourself and not everyone else. So you can put yourself first, overcome codependency issues, find ways to be less emotional, connect with yourselves and others better. Excellent. Let's move on from trauma holding you back. It's holding back your personal and professional development to be more positive about your life. Excellent. These are all great reasons to be on this workshop today. I'm sure this workshop is going to cover many of those things. Um, coming up, starting on the 8th of this month, I have an inner child program, which is a four-week inner child program, and it's going to go a lot deeper on all these issues that we're going to cover today. I'll be telling you more about that at the end. So self-acceptance. So when we grow up with dysfunction, we become disconnected from ourselves. And the, the child who grows up in dysfunction is going to learn to isolate themselves from their emotions. They're going to develop what's called toxic shame. The child internalizes everything and think that, you know, everything's about them. So if they're growing up in an environment where they're being abused or called names physically or emotionally abused, even if there's just a lot of arguing, they're going to internalize that and they're going to um, develop, as I said, toxic shame, a constant state of uneasiness. They're going to learn that goodness is not inside of them. So they're going to need to look outside of themselves to feel okay. They're going to develop an external locus of control. So people who grow up with dysfunction may turn to drugs, compulsive behaviours, sex, and other people to help them feel less anxious, uh, to help them feel more confident. You know, it's common that we hear 
in the modern world people saying that, you know, so their partner completes that, you know, people refer to their partner as their better half. So it's it's common in the, you know, in society in general to think that we need to look to other people to make us feel better. Um, if we, we've internalised this toxic shame, this abuse, and we've, we've developed the view that there's something wrong with us, that we need to look outside ourselves to feel okay, we don't have self-love, we're going to find ourselves getting into relationships that may be harmful to us, maybe you know negative for us having negative impacts on our lives um, if you're you know in a desert and there's no uh, no water to drink you know you, you're going to be glad to get hold of anything you can so in a child healing it's about developing self-love self-acceptance so we're able to you know, as some of you said, put ourselves first. So if you can't accept yourself, is anyone else going to? Let me know in the chat box if you think that other people would accept you if you can't accept yourself. No, not likely. No, you hope they will. Sometimes you believe other codependents will. Um, other codependents, you know, they're, they're going to be looking for you to make them feel okay as well. They're going to be looking to looking to get something from you, looking to get feelings that make them feel okay. So as long as you're, you know, providing that role, as long as you're allowing them to feel better about themselves, then they're going to accept that. But it's, you know, it's not unconditional love. It's not unconditional acceptance. There's conditions around it. Yeah, if you can't show them who you truly are, they're not accepting you. That's very true. So by reparenting and reintegrating the inner child, we're going to learn to accept ourselves. We're not going to need to look to other people to make us feel okay. As I said previously, you know, if you don't feel okay, if you need other people, you're going to go for the first people that fulfill that need, that make you feel less dysfunctional. So this can open you up to finding yourself in dysfunctional and abusive relationships. So if you want to book a call with me, I'm going to be sharing a link with you shortly. So reenactment. Reenactment is a 
what Sigmund Freud called repetition compulsion. So what we don't heal, we repeat. We're either going to find other people to reenact on us or we're going to find other people to act out. So we're either going to act in through self-harm, abuse, you know, eating disorders, addictions, emotional eating, uh, alcoholism, or we're going to act out. We're going to become narcissistic. So as children, we're looking to our parents to help us understand the world and ourselves. So, you know, your mother is called your primary object in psychology. So if your mother's dysfunctional, if that relationship with your mother's dysfunctional, all your future interpersonal relationships are going to be dysfunctional. You're looking to your parents to model for you what a man and a woman should be like and how they should treat each other. So if you're seeing, um, you know, dysfunctional or abusive behavior in your parents, you're going to reenact that in your own adult relationships. And there's a phenomenon known as um, attractions of deprivation, which means we're going to be attracted to the worst emotional traits of our primary caregivers. So we all grow up uh, with some kind of emotional wounds, and we're going to be constantly looking to heal that through our adult relationships. We're also, you know, learning, as I said, from our parents how to bond with people. So if you're bonding with dysfunctional people, then that becomes your bonding, you know, that becomes how you learn to bond. So you're going to be attracted to other people who display those traits. You're not going to know how to bond with anyone who doesn't display those traits. So what did your parents teach you about relationships? Let me know in the chat box what you learned from your parents about relationships. Father was emotionally abusive, you know, very little. Yep, so you can treat loved ones like crap, behave or you get shouted at. Yep, love is on their terms, absolutely. Silent treatment. Abuse, abuse, abuse. Jealousy and interrogation. Violence. Yep. 
Yep, to compare and criticize others. You know, narcissistic people, they often look outside themselves. As I said, they're going to be comparing themselves to other people. They're going to be projecting their own uh, deficiencies and inadequacies onto other people. And they're going to, like you say, criticize other people, um, be very you know, critical of other people to try and elevate themselves to make themselves feel better. Okay, so attachment anxiety. So we all have known knowns. That's things we know, and we know that we know them. We have known unknowns. That's things that we know we don't know. And then we have unknown knowns, things that we don't know, we know. And then we have unknown unknowns, things that we don't know, we don't know. Now it's the unknown knowns that causes problems. So unknown knowns create cognitive dissonance. If one of our primary caregivers is abusive, we need to know that so that we can stay safe as a child. But we don't want to think badly of our parents, but we're relying on them. We're relying on them for food and housing. So this knowledge becomes an unknown known. And as we grow up, we project it onto our other relationships. We may become anxious um, when people want to you know connect with us when people want to get in relationships with us we may have a kind of push-pull relationships or we may find ourselves in relationships with people who do that kind of push-pull thing where you know you're loving people um, and then you're pushing them away um, love bombing is you know something that narcissists do at the start of a relationship and then they you know start to become abusive so the drama triangle let me just check your comments emotional blackmail yeah um so the drama triangle so stephen karkman developed a model to explain dysfunctional relationships. And Cartman said that everyone moves between the roles of persecutor, victim, and rescuer. So when we grow up with dysfunction, we may take on roles as a way to matter within the family. Typically people from, you know, narcissistic, um, households, one child's going to become idolized, going to become the golden child. Another child is going to become devalued. They're going to become the black sheep or the scapegoat. So they're going to get, you know, pushed out of the family unit or they're going to get called names, attacked, abused. So by healing our inner child, we can break free from these roles and we can stop ourselves reenacting. So Cartman said 
that people tend to move from rescuer to persecutor to victim. And everyone who grows up with dysfunction is going to move through these things. So we may find ourselves, you know, looking to care for people, looking to um, be attracted to people that are dysfunctional in some way, that have something wrong with them, uh, thinking that we're rescuing them. And then we may get, you know, bored of them, want, want to start moving on. So we may become the persecutor and then, you know, we're going to get discarded, uh, which will make us the victim. So what was your family role? Were you a black sheep, a golden child? Were you a scapegoat? Let me know in the chat box. Black sheep, scapegoat, black sheep, bit of both. Golden child, head of the household. You know, being the golden child can still cause us to grow up with um, issues. Um, I was listening to something the other day, someone saying that um, he grew up, his mother was very abusive. She used to uh, smack him on the back of the head with a hammer and all sorts of stuff. And his young younger brother was the golden child. Um, and he grew up not even being able to wipe his own bum or tie his own shoelaces. Uh, so that's obviously that's obviously an extreme example. Um, but yeah, the golden child, the narcissistic parent is gonna try and you know live their life through that child. So they're gonna push them. They're gonna push them to um, be perfectionists to you know do well at school in sports yeah many most of us go through this kind of drama triangle and when we take on the family role again we're going to take that into you know our adult relationships so if we have a parent who's a um, alcoholic or if we need to care you know for younger siblings or we're going to take on that carer role we're going to be attracted to people who need to be cared for the last slide with the drama triangle is there so Carmen said that people with you know, inner child wounds rotate between these roles. They go through all of the roles. All of the roles get played out in their relationships. Um, no, but you will. I do have a, um, I think I have a old version of this presentation on YouTube. 
which I will share with you at the end so you can watch it back. I'll also be, I may put, I'll probably uh, put the audio of this presentation on my podcast. So, as I already covered, uh, attractions of deprivation. So we learn from our parents how to bond. We learn from our parents how to interact. So if those parents are abusive in some way, those parents have traumatized us. You know, everyone, all children have some kind of trauma. This is going to form attractions of deprivation. And it's these attractions of deprivation are caused by traumatic experiences in our childhood. And we're going to feel most drawn to the people that embody the worst emotional characteristics of our primary caregivers. So even as adults, we can have this unresolved childhood hurts due to betrayal, manipulation, abuse, neglect, and we're going to be playing them out in our adult relationships. We're un unconsciously going to seek the healing of these wounds in our intimate relationships. We're going to seek out people that irritate these wounds, partly so that we can heal them. Um, unconsciously, we're going to have a need to, to heal them. Our inner child is going to want to heal them. Uh, and partly because that's how we learn to interact with people. Thank you, Ellen. So what red flags should you look for in people? What should you um, look for in a new relationship? What would let you know that someone was an abuser? Let me know in the chat box what kind of things you think you should look out for. Can anyone else hear me? Yep, somebody wants to isolate you from your family and friends. Emotionally unavailable. Yep. You can hear me now. Excellent. Guilt tripping you, love bombing you, so buying you lots of gifts and lots of stuff. Inconsistent. Yeah, so, you know, dysfunctional and abusive relationships are often very intense from the start. So, like you say, they're going to be love bombing you. They're going to be, you know, lots of ups and downs, lots of emotional roller coaster type stuff. How your body feels. So you feel that you could... Get some intuition on that. I mean, sometimes if you go with how your body feels, it could be intuition or it could be that you're having an emotional flashback. It could be that they're triggering something 
in you. Yeah. Yeah. So like you say, they're going to remove you from your friendships. They're going to try and isolate you from your family. They're going to love bomb you. Um, they're going to tell lies. Absolutely. Ghosting you. Yep. Manipulating. Yep. And you can also see the way that they treat other people. So if you go to a restaurant or a bar and they're, you know, rude to restaurant staff or bar staff, you know, that's a, that's a sign that they're going to be abusive. Look at how they treat, you know, their own family, people in their family. Yep. Yep, how they treat animals. That's a very good one. Yes, not respecting boundaries. Well, if they were treated badly by their family, um, you know, most abusers usually have been treated by badly by their family, uh, which brings us on to my next slide. So everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah, they're going to, yeah. I usually, you know, recommend not talking about your sexual history. Um, many people, you know, get insecure about that. Um, yeah, they're going to quick. Yeah, it's going to quickly turn into a relationship. Yes. Okay, so all abuse is the transfer of shame. Everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. Uh, John Bradshaw said, shame as a healthy human emotion can be transformed into a state of being. So as children, we needed shame. Shame helps us to keep safe. As we're growing up, it stops us from breaking away from our parents too early. It enables us to, you know, start to explore without wandering off and getting in all sorts of trouble. As adults, shame helps us function in society, lets us know when we're violating other people's boundaries. Um, so shame is something that we need. Toxic shame is different. When we grow up, uh, we get, as I said previously, we're going to think everything is about us. So if we're being abused, we're going to internalize that. And it's going to create toxic shame. It's going to cause us to um, separate ourselves from our emotions, to be shamed out of our emotions, to uh, not want to feel our emotions. 
going to make us feel like there's something wrong with us. We're going to have an underlying anxiety. We may develop addiction issues, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorders, anxiety, attachment issues, and relationship problems. So just growing up in an environment where there's a lot of arguing is going to cause us to feel pushed out and unwanted. When we grow up with narcissistic parents, when we grow up with dysfunction, it's common to suffer from what's called enmeshment trauma. So enmeshment trauma is basically emotional incest. It happens when a child is required to take on an adult role in their relationship. So dysfunctional parents often don't have a you know happy relationship themselves. So one parent is going to take on the take the child and use them as an emotional crutch. So um, one parent, as I said, may be physically or emotionally absent from the other, and the opposite sex parent is then going to inappropriately bond with the child. They're going to use them as an emotional crutch or a substitute spouse. Um, and one way to you know spot this enmeshment trauma is in like terms of endearment. So uh, someone, a narcissistic father who's enmeshed his daughter may call her, you know, his little princess, his little girl, narcissistic mother who has enmeshed the son, may call him a little man, a little soldier. Can also happen with same-sex parents. So, well, you know, the parent may take on the child and they may become like their buddy. They may tell them all their problems, all the issues they're having with the, you know, other parent may tell them, you know, your father is a bastard or, you know, something wrong with your father. And they're going to use that child um, as a crutch. Yep. Yep. So it's a very narcissistic thing to do because it's putting, you know, the parent is putting their own needs before the child's needs. Mm-hmm. Can also happen with grandparents. Um, you know, my grandmother uh, enmeshed me. So my new program is starting on the 8th of November, consists of four group coaching sessions. All the sessions are recorded. Um, we're going to be doing exercises to heal the inner child, to connect 
with the inner child to we're going to be like writing letters to the inner child writing letters from the inner child to the adult self and have uh, hypnosis sessions at the end of every session uh, i've created a facebook group where i've put loads of content um, put lots of my uh, programs and courses that you can find on udemy in the facebook group so you get access to them for free uh, it's going to be a workbook which is updated weekly uh, we're going to be looking to integrate all ages of the inner child from infant to adolescent doing this kind of work can reduce anxiety increase self-esteem confidence help to control your impulses reconnect with your emotions and the normal price of this program is 199 pounds um, i do have a special price available for everyone that's on this workshop today um, so if you want to find out more about that you can book a call with me via my website uh, a link to which i'm going to be posting in the chat box right now so you can book a call with me there um, and i'll tell you more about the program and tell you more about the discounted price that is available so some feedback from people that have done the program previously um, and as i said if you want to book a call you can go to my website anxietyhypnotherapist.org forward slash free hyphen session so about me so i am a hypnotherapist um, done training in life coaching so i got involved in this kind of work uh due to my own issues i grew up with a very dysfunctional family i used to suffer a lot with dissociation i used to have flashbacks um, used to have all kinds of issues concentration issues uh, at school um, they used to say that i was always daydreaming they used to uh yeah had a lot of problems at school i used to have to see a child psychologist for uh about four years from when i was uh i think seven to when i was about 11. so i had a, a lot of problems i had attachment issues i had a horrendous divorce um i had cptsd it's estimated that around 80 percent of people suffer from cptsd cptsd stands for complex post-traumatic stress disorder it's generally suffered by prisoners of war people who grow up with dysfunctional families so when we you know live with this kind of dysfunction um it's standard ptsd there's one activating event which then is going to cause us to have 
you know, flashbacks to that event with CPTSD because it's happened over a long period of time. Maybe you were too young to remember. It's very common to have emotional flashbacks. So as someone said previously, you know, when you're looking to your feelings, looking to how your body feels to decide whether or not someone is, uh, you know, a good person to be with, you know, uh, an abuser. These things could be, uh, as I said, emotional flashbacks. So I used to um, have things that would trigger me and I would start feeling very uncomfortable around people. Um, well, if you are in the USA and not the UK, but if you're in the USA, you can still do uh, the program. Um, as I said, if you want to find out more about it, you can book a call with me right now. So in 2015, I decided that I need to, needed to change. So I began studying hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuro-linguistic programming, mindfulness, and EFT. Spent thousands of pounds on coaching and training and, you know, counseling for myself. Traded, attended training courses in seminars all around the UK, uh, in Ireland. And I've become a lot more confident. I've been able to reduce my anxiety using just standard NLP and hypnosis. Uh, mindfulness was really very, very beneficial to me. But it wasn't until that I started doing the inner child work that I really noticed things beginning to change. So who wants to try some hypnosis? 80% of people in the world suffer CPTSD. So in order for CPTSD to form, um, we need to be reliant on our abusers. There needs to be constant and ongoing abuse from which there is no escape. Um, and in his book, CPTSD, From Surviving to Thriving, Pete Walker said that around 80% of people meet the criteria for you know, CPTSD. Excellent. Okay, so hypnosis is a perfectly natural state, something that we all experience several times during the course of a day. It's not something that's done to you, something that's done with you, something that's done with your cooperation. So as long as you follow along with my words, listen to the sound of my voice, you can have no problem going into hypnosis. Um, Someone, some people uh, listen to these workshops and presentations whilst driving. So if you are driving, I'd recommend you uh, leave now. Uh, if you're not driving, make yourselves comfortable. And what I'd like to do first is some exercises to show you the power of your mind. 
So what I'd like you to do is to take your hands, place them out in front of you like so. Keep your right hand with your palm facing down. Turn your left hand with your palm facing up. Take a deep breath in. As you breathe out, just allow your eyes to close. And with your eyes closed, I'd like you to imagine that in your left hand, we've placed some heavy books. And those books are weighing down on that. They're making that hand drift deeper and deeper. The hand's going down, those books are weighing down. Just imagine that happening. To your right hand, we've tied some heavy, some helium. And those helium blooms are rising up. They're drifting up towards the sky. So your right hand is rising up. Your left hand is lowering down. Imagine that happening. Imagining that. Sometimes when I do this exercise, people say that their left hand starts to ache. They feel like they're really holding those heavy books that are weighing down. And then leaving those hands where they are, open your eyes and just notice if there's any difference between those. There's a difference between those hands. Let me know in the chat box. Yep, it's very possible. You know, it's generational trauma, absolutely. So we're often going to parent the way that we've been parented. Um, so it's, yeah, very possible that this enmeshment trauma could continue for generations. Excellent. Okay, so another exercise. Excellent. So another exercise, I'd like you to take a deep breath in again. And when you breathe in, you want to be breathing all the way down into your stomach. You want to notice your stomach rising as you're breathing in. Falling as you're breathing out. And we actually do this naturally as children. For some reason, we get, you know, I don't know why, but we learn not to do it around the age of seven. So breathing into the stomach is very beneficial. It's known as diaphragmatic breathing. So um, we'll try and do that as much as possible. But breathing all the way down into your stomach. As you're breathing out, allowing your eyes to close once again. Allow you to imagine, just imagine that you're walking into your kitchen. And on the side is a nice juicy citrus. Could be a 
apple, sorry, an apple, could be an orange or a grapefruit, could be a lemon or lime, some kind of citrus fruit, whatever kind of citrus fruit you like. I'd like you to just imagine picking up that fruit, placing it safely onto cutting board, safely taking a knife, cutting into that. As you're cutting into that fruit, those juices are squirting out the citrusy aroma filling the air. Those juices are running down onto the cutting. And then cutting into it again. So you're creating a nice bite-sized chunk. The juice is flowing out, flowing down onto the cutting board. Imagine picking up that piece of fruit, lifting it up towards your face, biting down. You're biting down on it. You can maybe get it taste of those citrusy flavours in your mouth. The juices are running down your chin, dripping off your chin. And then when you're ready, open your eyes, come back to the present. and Just let me know in the chat box if that exercise made your mouth water. Yep, some people um, cannot imagine that uh, there's a condition called uh, aphantasia, which stops people being able to imagine. Excellent. Okay, so now we're going to do a little hypnosis session. So just make yourself comfortable. Take a deep breath in. As you breathe out, just allow your eyes to close. Again, breathing all the way down into your stomach. Noticing stomach rising as you're breathing in and falling as you breathe out. Maybe seeing if you can notice yourself becoming more relaxed with the in-breath and out-breath. Maybe you can imagine yourself breathing in relaxation, breathing out any stresses, strains, letting go. 
listening to the sound of my voice. Any other sound you hear can allow you to become even more relaxed, even more at ease. Music begin to take you deeper, deeper. Really letting it release, scanning around you. Notices releasing any tension, any stresses, strains, letting lifting deeper, deeper all the time, just breathing deep. Maybe noticing heartbeat. Pulse, slowing, become more and more relaxed. Now, any thoughts come into your mind, you can just notice and allow your attention to drift back to your body. more and more comfortable brella maybe remembering back to times in the past times of comfort times when you've been natty you start to Relax, release that tension. You can become aware of many things. may start to notice tiny muscles, arms and legs twitch just slightly. Relax more, allowing more and more cup into your mind. Yes. And your conscious mind can drift and dreams, unconscious, begins to take more control. Your unconscious mind is responsible for the most powerful. Your unconscious is responsible for growth, hair and nails. Your unconscious allows you to change from baby to child child to end by using your unconscious you really can allow yourself to begin to change that part of you is always there always looking to 
keep yourself. Part of you knows just how much to hold on, how much to let go. You're a baby, learning to walk, starting to crawl. You're strong enough, you're able to push yourself up on furniture. Let go when you wanted to take those first step. But your unconscious mind knows just how much to hold on, how much to let go. really having faith in that part. In a moment I'd like you to imagine in an elevator. In this elevator there are three buttons. First button is going to allow you to increase that relaxation. Even more relaxed. Second button is increase it further, maybe doubling. Third button is going to take you all the way, all the way down into the very basement. Relaxed, comfort. Car, just pressing the first button. Nurse, just noticing relaxation increase. Maybe the tiny muscles of the head and just releasing any tension. Relaxation flows down your face, into your cheeks and jaw, drifting deeper and deeper. Then the second one, doubling that breath, even more comfortable, even more. That relaxation flows down down into your arms, down into your legs, release, letting. And the third one, taking you all, all the way. When those elevated doors open, I wonder if you can imagine this. Stepping out into wonderful, relaxing, no one else around, it's only this place you can allow yourself really enjoy Calm and calm in the safety of hypnosis. 
maybe you can imagine yourself on beach with waves splashing against the shore. Maybe woodland path beautiful autumn colours leaves changing and the light is shining through those trees there's could be a place being to before, it could be somewhere you just may. This place you can take some time to explore, to look around. That's right. You notice good you feel. Comfortable you feel in this. Maybe you can get a sense of yourself. Release. Letting go. Anything that may have affected you. Anything that may have affected past relationships. Be a sign, unconscious one, twitch of finger or thumb, feeling of warmth, comfort. You continue exploring them. Maybe imagining this. Walking, walking through them, walking on the sand, leaves, hearing sound of waves crashing against the shore, leaves rumbling beneath you. up ahead of you, off in the distance, you can see a small figure. As you approach, you start to feel a connection with this figure. You start to be able to see this figure more clearly, noticing this. Child days. You, when you were a child, maybe six or seven, smiling at a younger version of you. What colour on eyes and hair? Approaching them, maybe giving them a hug. Telling them that you're from their future. You're the only person that never lose. Telling them that you love and 
acceptance, unconditioned. Maybe imagine yourself giving a younger version of you whatever it is that they allowing feel that unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Maybe you can imagine stepping into the adult version, feeling connection, feeling of self-love, self-acceptance, feel yourself filling up with joy, happy feeling, maybe considering where you feel that self-love most in your body, and then imagine it spreading completely and totally around maybe imagining yourself rounded in a circle of light feeling yourself healing in some way in a moment gonna count from one to five when I reach the number five, you can come back to the present, noticing how good you've been. Over the coming days and weeks, you can wonder what you'll notice that allows you to notice that you're more connected with that younger version. Maybe considering how your relationships could start to improve. As I begin counting, one, allowing energy to return to your feet, maybe wiggling those toes. Two, as that energy flows up your legs and into your body. Breathe down your arms, into your hands. Four, and on the next number, you can open your eyes, noticing how good you feel. Five, eyes open, wide awake, and maybe you'd like to stretch and yawn. Play all the way back to the breath. When you're back, just let me know in the chat. Excellent. Did you all like that? Let me know. Thank you. Excellent. Did you feel a release, the people that um, say they felt emotional? Did you feel... 
a release. Yeah, so the audio recording of this session, I'm going to um, put on my podcast, uh, probably be there tomorrow. So I'm going to share a link with you to my podcast so you can uh, listen to it. Um, one moment. So, anyone have any uh, questions for me? Let me know in the chat box. If you have any questions, there's anything you'd like to know. What's the difference between hypnosis and meditation? So hypnosis, um, they're very similar, but with meditation, you're generally looking, I mean, there's different, all different kinds of meditation. You can do mindfulness meditation. You can do like Zen meditation. You can do guided meditation with images. Uh, with hypnosis, I'm generally trying to use what's called idiomotor response. So uh, with a group session, I obviously can't do it as uh, as much as I would do in a one-to-one -one session. But when I'm talking about, you know, scanning around your body, noticing any changes, um, you know, twitching in your muscles, um, that's all, you know, that's how I differentiate hypnosis from meditation. Does this help people with narcissistic mothers the most? Um, I don't know. I hope it, I, I hope it helps anyone um, with a narcissistic uh, family. Um, I'm just trying to find that link for you. One moment. Uh, yeah, hopefully it would help anyone. Um, if you're growing up, the relationship with the mother is going to be the most important relationship for any child. As I said uh, previously, a mother is your primary object. So if that relationship is dysfunctional in some way, it's going to cause you all kinds of issues, 
growing up. Um, so there's a link to the podcast where I will be placing this recording tomorrow. Um, yeah, you like to know if you can have a healthy adult relationship. Absolutely. Um, you know, I had a lot of dysfunctional relationships. The thing is, as I said, you know, most people grew up with some kind of dysfunction. Most people have unhealed childhood trauma. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, everyone's got issues. So <laughs> when you, you know, see that in other people, um, certainly you can have boundaries. You're going to have better boundaries. You're going to avoid um, abusive relationships. You're going to be able to, you know, feel comfortable in yourself. Um, but yeah, everyone's everyone's got issues. That's all I can all I can really say on that. Is there a rough mech recommended hypnosis? hours, weeks of hypnosis to heal the inner child. Um, not really, no. Everyone is different. We all, um, you know, we all need different kind of levels of healing. Um, so, no, there's not really any kind of maximum or minimum amount that I would recommend. Um, Again, if you want to book a one-to-one -one session with me, discuss anything, you can do so via the link I just shared in the chat box. Um, yeah, you can also, you know, find out more about the Inner Child program that I mentioned earlier and the special price that I can give you on that program. So uh, does that answer all your questions? Let me know if I've answered all your questions. If there's anything else you'd like to know. Excellent. So you're really able to connect with your inner child. Can you ever be okay with yourself unconditionally? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I would actually say that I am at that point in my life. I still have anxiety sometimes. I still have things that, um, you know, that worry me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm completely, um, I'd say, I'm able to accept myself completely, yes. So I believe you can reach that point. Thank you, Mitch. How much do you charge for an individual session? I don't sell the sessions 
individually. I sell them in groups of three. Um, if not groups of three, as in three people in the session, one-to-one -one sessions. I don't do just one-to-one, one-to-one session because one one-to-one -one session, you know, isn't going to be enough for most people. If you've got a phobia or you want to stop smoking, one session is often enough. But if you've got, you know, in a child or anxiety or other issues, it generally takes uh, free sessions. So I don't sell sessions, you know, in one, I sell them in packages of free. Thank you, Sean. Can you truly love yourself if you don't like who you are? Uh, no, that's the, you know, that's the reason for inner child work. And to, you know, to give yourself that unconditional love, unconditional acceptance. Um, you know, when you're a child, it, you've taken on this stuff and this kind of self-hate and you've kind of learned that there's something wrong with you. Uh, but the thing is, it's not your fault. You know, you need to um, be able to tell yourself that, that it's not your fault. And again, that's the purpose of the Inner Child Programme, the four-week Inner Child Programme, which you can... Find out more if you want to book a call with me. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't love yourself unconditionally, uh, as I said in the presentation, you're going to be, you know, drawn to, you're going to be, you're going to be quick to get into relationships with anyone that shows you any kind of love any kind of acceptance, you're going to be uh, quick to get into relationships. You can book a call with me there um, to make yourself feel better. So, um, yeah, by giving yourself that self-love and self-acceptance, by loving yourself unconditionally, you can absolutely uh, stop attracting those kind of abusive relationships. So does that answer all your questions? Let me know if you'd like to uh, know anything else. I'm going to stop the recording.